The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Good afternoon, everybody. What's going on? Eric Franson, Ajay Salveson. On a Thanksgiving weekend. Hope you're having a good weekend. Hope you have filled up on the uh, on the turkey and the fixings and all the other things that go with a, a traditional Thanksgiving meal. I know very different this year for a lot of folks. Doing a lot of things maybe on your own or in smaller groups. But uh, how you do it on the leftovers? That's a big question. That's part of our Friday Five Best today. Stick around for that a little bit later on. The Five Best Thanksgiving Leftovers. Love to get your thoughts on that. Feel free to text us in and let us know some of your favorite leftovers for Thanksgiving. 435-339-0321 to text in. And uh, let us know what you think about uh, the, the games last night. Utah State football, Utah State basketball. And speaking of which, Utah State basketball in action right now. That game is uh, nearing its end. But we'll uh, continue to keep an eye on that one as that comes to a close as well. So uh, Ajay Salveson joins me remotely, but he's here with me, and we're continuing to uh, bring you uh, the most updated Aggie coverage that we can. So Ajay, thanks for sticking around with us. And uh, first, your initial thoughts from yesterday—a busy evening of Aggie football and basketball. Man, it was—I don't know what I, I'm more surprised by: the Aggies being 0-2 going into today, or Utah State putting 41 on New Mexico. The over/under, actually, the line. Or I should say the over-under was 49 for that game, Eric. 49. And the Aggies were eight points short of just covering it themselves. Uh, that was just dominating, impressive, great teamwork, incredible energy. Um, and, and, at the, and, it stand, and it starts from the top. It starts with Coach Miley, which was really, really impressive just to see him, you know, with the leadership and everything that's gone on. I mean, all the crap that's gone on. No... You know, Aaronson being gone, Shelly being dismissed. You have players transferring. You have players quitting, um, and yet you know, Miley's able to keep these guys focused in a game that they really had to win because the Air Force is going to be a, an absolute menace to deal with. Colorado State in Fort in Fort Collins on a December night is going to be just mean. Um, and so for the fact that Miley and these guys were able to go up there and, and stay focused on a Thanksgiving holiday when the kids could be home and the um, family and they could be with families, they instead got ready to go out there and play a football game. And from the get-go, just, I mean, dominated. And it was, uh, it was awesome to see. So I don't know, for you, Eric, i got to ask, what are you more surprised by, Aggies 0-2 or domination last night? I would have expected to see Utah State play well against New Mexico in football. They've played well against them the last few years. Uh, if there was going to be a change at the quarterback position, we knew that. Um, I, I, I expected it to be close. That third quarter I did not see coming for football. But I am more surprised is how the uh, basketball has started their season. Not just that they've lost those first two games. Looks like they, they're on path to win their game tonight. They're uh, up 11 right now with about – a little over three minutes to go. They're starting to pull away. But this, how they lost those first two games. Uh, it, it was the, that second half of the second half in game one just was brutal for Utah State. And then they, they just never really were in it yesterday. And so, it, which 
just the way that they were playing seemed to be uncharacteristic. It seems like they're getting a little bit more dialed in today, but those first two kind of caught me by surprise, I'll be honest. Yeah, and there was some good three-point shooting. I mean, VCU, and I think at the same time, I think VCU kind of got away from them. Ever, I mean, they, they when they put Anderson in, is kind of when things got away from them in that first game. Um, they took Raleigh out, and, and Raleigh's been an absolute incredible ball player thus far in the first three games. But when they made that switch, things kind of got away from them. VCU couldn't miss from deep, uh, and that's really the story of game number two. Like, I mean, there was Bean didn't look great offense, and I and I ended up watching the game this morning. But Bean didn't look great offense was sluggish, and this and it was the same problems as VCU it was too much dribbling and not enough ball movement. And what you're seeing today versus Northern Iowa is less dribbling and more ball movement, and uh, and just making smarter decisions. And when you do that, you're 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 a tough team to beat, especially when they have a good shooting team like this. Brock Miller has actually been really good. In fact, today he's three of eight from the field, but he's two of four from deep in 20 minutes. He has eight points. He just knocked down another ball or another trade just barely. And so, um, it's you know it, it's all about just not letting the ball stick and it's about ball movement and I, I you know as good as Raleigh has been too he does a lot of dribbling way too much and I think the same thing with Stephen Ashworth more dribbling than he needs to be doing ball needs to be moving around that was the problem in game one that was definitely the problem in game two and it looks like they they sort of fixed that problem here in game three right now they uh, they lead by 11 with 321 left in the game uh, I am really impressed with Marco tonight. Uh, he has shown moments where he looks pretty good, like he is in control and is going to be a nice contributor for Utah State. And then you'll have stretches where you wonder, how did this guy make a, a roster? Just you know, it's, you can have a bad outside shot. It looks a little bit weird, but you know, tonight he's been aggressive. I think he's trying to to be a better leader on the court. And he's made a few three point shots. He's missed more, but. But he's he's trying. He's making things happen for Utah State. So I'm I'm much more happy to see how Marco Anthony is is fitting into this Utah State offense and this Utah State team. You know that's a great point. Twenty points on eight of sixteen shooting, two of six from deep, two of four the charity strap, five boards, two assists, one still one block. And in fact, they have four guys in double figures besides Anthony Worcester has fifteen. Or excuse me, it's Wooster, not Worcester. I found that out actually. It's Wooster. Uh, Bean has fourteen and nine. Keta has 12 and 8, and Miller has uh, 8, and Shogo has 3, Doris has 1. But uh, just really, really impressed. Again, and as you said, with Anthony being the all-around basketball player, which we expected him to be, being the transfer from Virginia, getting the whole repertoire of Anthony has been, been really nice to see so far. Well, I think the other thing to do also today, it's a much tighter rotation. Um, it's mostly just the starters that are in there getting the minutes and getting the work done. The, the bench, not really producing a heck of a whole lot. And I think that, that uh, this coaching staff is starting to figure out who their players really are this year, uh, this season. I mean, Dorius has, has gotten in there, and, and is, uh, I think he's played some pretty quality minutes. Not a lot of stats to go to his name, but I thought he played some pretty solid minutes. And I think Max Shulga has had some moments as well. Um, but... I'm, I'll be honest, I'm, I'm disappointed right now in the early part of the season in Alfonso Anderson. I, I, here was a guy that should have been a, an important piece coming back for Utah State, a, a steadying force in the post that could be a versatile player that can play outside as well. And he's, he's kind of struggled a little bit in these first couple of games for the Aggies. 
Yeah, I, I'm not sure what to figure out with him. I, I don't know if it's just a fit, if it's just a lineup, or what it is. I, I can't figure out Anderson. In fact, I mean, he had, I think, a three from the corner when he was wide open in game one, and he, I mean, he nearly airballed it. Uh, he had a couple of gimmies that he, he shanked. Um, he had um, a nice jumper that was clean. Nobody was guarding him, and he, and he, and he missed that one, too. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure kind of where, where Anderson fits into this right now. In fact, he's only played five minutes tonight, so that tells you all you need to know there. Barristow's only played eight, by the way. Steven Ashford's only played six. Shulgas played eight. Everyone else is in double figures. Anthony Worcester being Keta Miller, um, all in double figures, but of course that's your starting too. Um, well, I think with for- Barristow, just real quick, uh, he's really struggling to be turnover free, and I think that's what's yeah. hampering his minutes, in especially today, because, uh, he had turnover problems in game one. He had turnover problems yesterday. And he was having some turnover problems again today, traveling and just simple things that shouldn't be issues. And uh, I think that's what's keeping him off the floor until he can be a little bit more secure and, and better execute what he's supposed to do on the floor. Yeah, and I think another thing about him is is, is the uh, under going under the screen. Um, so he went under a screen on a left-wing three, and I think it was Green who hit it. And so, uh, and on the way back, Smith said something to Bearstow. And then coming back, I think it was two possessions later, almost the exact same play. They switch on Bearstow, and they set a screen, and he, he goes under again. And he, and then Green, no, I don't know if it was Green, I think it might have been food, it might have been Bourne who knocked down a tray. Uh, and then Bear, uh, who was it, Smith turned around and signaled for, uh, for Ashworth immediately, and so I think there's a defensive issue there too. Um, Turnover-wise, he's only had one today. The team, by the way, and that's another great point you bring up, Eric. Thirteen turnovers, and we still have two minutes left in this game. They had fifteen two nights ago. I don't know what they had yesterday, but it was bad again. Sixteen, I think, actually. So that's thirty-one turnovers in two games, and then you add this one. I mean, they're nearing like midway through forties in three games. That's that's not good. That's that's bad. That's really really bad. I, I I think part of it is maybe a little understandable in that you've got new point guards, you got new guards out there, a lot of new players. They played uh, a team that has is has an aggressive defensive press um, without sure hands out there. I mean, it, it's not that it's an excuse <laughs> that it's okay. Uh, but that is part of the reason, I think, that uh, led to some of that uh, and some of those turnovers and why they are a little helter-skelter. But they've got to be better. They've got to be more sure-handed. Uh, and I think today what we're seeing is I think we're seeing a little bit more of an aggressive style for Utah State. I, I didn't you – know, we hear Coach Smith preach this gata, 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 you know, get after them, this mentality. And I didn't, I didn't see that in games one and two in South Dakota. Uh, I think we saw a little bit more of that today. I think we're seeing a little bit more of that today. It's a tighter rotation, a, a, a little bit smaller bench that he's going to. So they don't they want to leave there empty-handed without any victories. So I think he's just trying to dial it in and go with guys he can believe in and, and trust for this final game. Okay, so Eric, we got BYU looming next week coming to the Spectrum on December 5th for a 7 o'clock game. Terrified about that game, by the way. Absolutely terrified. If you had to, I mean, this is unfair to do to you. If you had to limit the rotation to seven, 
Where are you going with starters and two backups? Who are my seven guys? Yeah. Uh, so my starters, I, yeah, Kada, Bean, Worcester, Miller, and Anthony. I think that's your starting five. Um, I think you have uh, Dorius and, man, that's what's hard. Who's that seventh guy? It's got to be another ball handler, I think. Um, I don't know. Maybe I should say Anderson, but I have to hesitate there because if he hasn't really <laughs> come through uh, for Utah State yet. So I'm taking your starting lineup as my five. I like that. And then I'm going Dorius and Ashworth. I love Steven. I really do. He, he doesn't take bad shots. He's in control. He doesn't force anything. It almost seems like, and I mean this politely, but it seems like he doesn't like to shoot. He'd rather just, you know, create a better shot maker to be able to find him open. And Ashworth can do that. I love Steven. I think he's your, I think it's Dorius and Steven coming off the bench. And I know that leaves you Shulga, Berstow, and Anderson on the bench, but... That's, I mean, that's the way it's got to be. I, mean, I just I don't see any other way. And, by the way, we have not seen Liam McChesney. Actually, we saw Liam a little bit yesterday in garbage time minutes. Um, but not. I, I just don't see him breaking through this group to get any playing time. Major minutes, I should say. Yeah, probably not. I, I think it's um, – I mean, the, look at the size of this team and, and who's there and who's uh, available. Um, I, I think we're starting to learn a little bit more about who – who is and who isn't ready uh, at this level. Uh, we saw a little more. Uh, we saw um, Zapala a little bit in this tournament earlier. We haven't seen him at all today. Um, so I think there's some guys that Coach Smith just didn't know. You know, We just don't know what we really have and who's ready for this stage. And he had to throw them all out there in the first couple of games to see what he had, who could step up to the moment and who couldn't handle the pressure. And uh, I think we're seeing that today with, uh, you know, especially in this second half, is the Aggies have kind of struggled, but they were able to get a little bit more dialed in here the last 10 minutes of this game in the second half. But he's going with his main guys. He's going with the guys that were des- designated as the starters and just riding them and uh, limiting the, the bench. Not a lot of bench production. Yeah, uh, so actually, when you bring up the fact that we've had um, two, I guess, you know, that we haven't really had a chance to get to know these guys, or even for Coach Smith, to see what these guys look like in real game time mode, they play BYU and Dixie State before they start conference play. Does that give you enough time to figure out what you got and what you want to go with going into conference play, or do you need one or two more games? I guess they got three, so two. So they have two more opening games they could use for non-conference if they wish. But if they stick with BYU and Dixie State, does that give you enough confidence of what you have going into conference play, though, Eric? No, if I'm Coach Craig Smith, I'm still trying to find other games. I want to get as many games in as I can before conference begins. Because really, conference play is what matters the most. I mean, yeah, it's, it's unfortunate that they weren't able to get the VCU and um, you know the South Dakota State games, those can help with your net rankings, and that's all nice. But 
what Utah State really wants to do is play well in conference. And if for my two cents, I would if I'm Craig Smith, I'm trying to find more games because I need I need more time on the court in real game situation for my guys to figure out who I have, to figure out what my rotations are. Hmm. Who plays well together? So many new players, they don't understand where this guy really likes the ball. They don't really know where that guy how he rotates out of a pick and roll quite as well. So they need more time on the court together. Yeah, I think you get one or two more games. Uh, Weber State would be a good Ike. And honestly, I know this sounds really bad. Get a cupcake. <laughs> you need to get a cupcake just so you build some confidence in some of these kids right now. Um, you know, in, in FCS school or something like that. I don't know if Weber State's considered a cupcake. I know what happened last year was was pretty incredible. I don't know if that would happen again, though. Um, Randy well, I mean, Dixie State, I think, coach. fills that. It fits that bill. Yeah, um, but you know, somebody else, even if it's in more regional team like Idaho State or Southern Utah, somebody see, could be uh, yeah. on the bus. See one of those two teams home on the same night. Oh, I'd take one of those two teams in a heartbeat. Absolutely, take one of those two teams. Very happy to do so. Um, that would be best case scenario, actually, if you could. Uh, I don't think they're done, if I'm being honest, I don't think they're done with non-conference games. I think they're looking for a couple more. At least one more, for sure. Uh, okay, so we're, about, we're under a minute to go. Again, reminder, the game is on ESPNU right now. Um, but the Aggies are up 79, what I'm watching, 79-71. And about 40 sec- under 40 seconds to go. Yep, 80-71 to now. Utah State leads by 9. Uh, you know, this game was a was a game of runs, Eric. You know, uh, oh. uh, Aggies were up by eight, and then all of a sudden it flip swaps because uh, UNI goes on a like a thirteen to three run. Um, Aggies go back on a uh, a big run. I think it was like eleven to one, and then just topsy turvy with the game. But then finally, Aggies, you know, they got sick of playing with the kids on the swing set and sharing the playground. Started getting mean and physical and. Pushing people around and, and, and finally got you and I out of the way. So good win for Utah State. Much needed win for Utah State, too. He needs some kind of confidence right now, Eric, and, and this helps out a lot. So they'll officially take seventh place in this uh, in this tournament, which isn't what they expected, but you, you take what you can get at this point. Yeah, earlier in the game in the first half, they had a stretch where they went scoreless for about three and a half, four minutes. And you know, that just can't happen. It just cannot So the happen. two things, and in fact, let me ask you, Eric, what, what is worrisome more to you? The high rate in turnover or the scoreless droughts they've been suffering in all three games? <laughs> uh, they, I think they're, 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 they go hand in hand, and it's just that inexperienced ball handlers. Um, and uh, it's just Utah State doesn't have that guy that can just go get a bucket when you need it most. Uh, at least we don't know that as of yet. Maybe Marco Anthony is going to uh, evolve into that guy based on how he's played today. But uh, <laughs> you know, they, Sam Merrill could do that. But they don't have that this year. So it's got to be by committee. It's by A couple different guys have got to be able to do that in the, the team concept. So I think that as more games are played, it's going to be better. And I think it's going to solve both of those issues. Because these, you get these new point guards and, and guards caught up to the Division One basketball game speed, and maybe yeah, everybody's going to have scoring droughts. But 
Maybe you have, you're better at uh, securing the ball and, and sure passing and understanding where you need to be on the court and not putting yourself in a bad situation where you're prone to turn it over. Yeah, again, the turnover situations. And some of them are just stupid turnovers, right? Some of them are just really bad turnovers. <laughs> I, I mean, you're dribbling too much behind, behind half court or you're dribbling into a double team trying to split it or you're dribbling in, into a trap practically. Um, or sometimes you're driving baseline and you leave your feet, like, like cardinal rule as a guard or as any sort of basketball player is if you're dribbling baseline, do not leave your feet unless you know for sure you've got A, a great shot, or B, you're going to shoot it. Um, but I mean, just really bad turnovers, that has to be fixed because their transition defense has not been good in these three games, if I'm being honest. No, it, that, uh, that has been a little bit lacking. And I think it's just uh, understanding the system, understanding game speed. Uh, and in time, that's going to come together. Coach Smith's first year, the, the first part of the season was a little bit shaky. But once they got into conference play, things really came together for the Aggies. And it just, here's, here's a team that's trying to figure out this new coach and his new system and what's going on. So... Not not overly surprised. This is a very similar situation, I think, to his first season at the helm at Utah State. There's so many new faces, learning a new system, and he's trying to figure out what he has, what he really has. Uh, and it's going to take a minute. Yeah, uh, final score, Utah State, 82-71. Anthony leads all scores with – well, actually, leads the Aggies with 22 on 8-16. Uh, again, he had six boards, two assists. Woo, uh, I can't I keep wanting to call him Worcester, and it's Wooster. I'm going to have to get used to that. He had 17 on 5-5 five of five at the line. He was 5-11 from the field. He had four boards. Keta Bean each had 10 bo- boards apiece, and each had 15 points apiece as well. Yeah, uh, so and Brock Miller had nine. Oh, my gosh. It wasn't it. I, in fact, when I talked to you early, early this morning, uh, you know, you say, you know, Bean wasn't great. He wasn't Justin Bean that we know. And so I went back, and I watched the whole time, and I just thought, holy crap, where is this kid? Like, what? What mentally was going on there? I mean, just bad shots, dribbling into bad double teams, not making good reads, was slow off defensively. It looked much, much better tonight. All right, this is going to be one of those rare occasions where we will invite you to change the channel if you'd like because now that the game has gone final, (laughs) Al Lewis and John Russell have been doing this for a long time and are going to give it a full, full... respective breakdown as it's required and allow you to call in and interact and uh, share your thoughts and opinions about the game. That's happening on KVNU right now. Now that the game's gone final, they've taken over the KVNU airwaves and they are doing the KVNU Aggie Call post-game show right now. If you want to switch over from us, we will allow it this one time. But it's on KVNU, 610 AM, 102.1 FM. You can also stream it online kvnutalk.com or on the KVNU mobile app. So let's do that. We're going to use that as an opportunity to call a timeout ourselves. When we come back, we'll uh, get some more thoughts about the game tonight as it's now concluded. If you would like to stick with us, we'll continue to share our opinions and our analysis of what happened today. But we'll also look back at what happened last night with Utah State football and get a little bit more detail there. Uh, As Ajay was at the game and got to see it as it unfolded, some of the things that uh, took place before and after. I want to focus in on some comments that were made after the game. Uh, but also a little bit later on in the show here, we're going to get into our pick six for the weekend and our Friday five best 
and would love to get your thoughts as well. What are the five best Thanksgiving leftovers? 435-339-0321 if you want to weigh in on that. Uh, before we take a, a, a time out here, just a quick reminder, uh, continue to shop local and support local businesses through this whole COVID pandemic. I know a lot of you were out there doing you know, the Black Friday stuff earlier this morning, maybe throughout the day you were doing that. It's personally not for me, but I know a lot of people get into that. But when you shop local, that makes the biggest difference in our community. It's not just about keeping our, our, our personal health and strong, but it's about keeping our economy strong as well. So when we help our community uh, the most, that's when we shop local and we support locally owned businesses. Uh, again, if you want to know more details about how to keep yourself healthy and, and strong and, and uh, do things that, that need to be done to, to knock this pandemic out of the park, stay informed. You can visit coronavirus.utah.gov. That's coronavirus.utah.gov. But also, I want to pass this along too. Uh, I know for some people, they weren't able to get with family yesterday because of Thanksgiving. They were uh, you know, encouraging smaller groups, smaller family sizes, and sometimes that may have left some people out. And so if you're struggling with anxiety or depression or just generally having a hard time with all of this, there are resources available. Your, your mental health is just as important as your physical health. There are trained professionals ready to talk to you and uh, they're available to help you out at all times. Visit coronavirus.utah.gov slash mental dash health. That's coronavirus.utah.gov backslash mental dash health. And uh, that's where you can find a lot of resources to get through these uh, definitely interesting times. All right, going to call time out here on the Full Court Press. More when we come back. Stick around. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Eric Franson, Andrzej Salveson. Hope you're having a good Thanksgiving weekend. Eric, how was your Thanksgiving? What did you do? What did you uh, What did you eat? What did you like? You know, uh, my wife and I were talking. It was the first time since we were in our maybe early 20s that we were on our own to do a Thanksgiving. Because usually it was either at, at her family or my family. And when we would get together, you know, multiple people would bring side dishes, some of their, their favorite thing that they could do. And you'd have this huge feast of food, more than you could really handle, but you always had to sample everything. So this year, it was our first time doing a turkey. First time doing a few things. And uh, there was some trial and error, but we got it to work. Wait, wait, what do you mean trial and error? As far as I know, none of us have suffered any food poisoning. (laughs) No, hold on. What do you mean trial and error? I got to know about this. Well, we weren't sure. We put the meat thermometer in the the turkey, and it looked like it was... (laughs) It was overdone. So like, okay, let's pull it out. And as I'm starting to slice it, it's definitely still pink inside. So I had to put it back in the oven. And Anyway, it was a little dry because it got maybe a little overcooked just to be cautious. But Oh, my gosh. It worked out. It worked out. Had some leftovers today. It's delicious. Oh, jeez. Did it? Hey, you ever seen Christmas Vacation? Yes. So did it turn out like a turkey from Clark Griswold when uh, 
<laughs> it comes out all dry. Uh, no, it didn't quite uh, deflate on us. It was fine. It was it was delicious. A little maybe a little dry, but it was good. Oh, jeez, that's too good. <laughs> uh, how about for you? Uh, yeah, you it was and the good. Misses? Did you get together with family? Uh, no, so uh, it was just me, my mom and dad, and uh, my sister. I actually had to get to the stadium, so I didn't even get to spend a whole lot of time with my family. I went in there and, and, and had some uh, turkey was great. The turkey was wonderful. And so, and I hate pie, okay? I guess, I, I think we know this already, but I hate pie. But my dad said he was going to make a homemade pie, and it was like a strawberry homemade pie. And I hope he's not listening. Like, I, I pray to life he's not listening. He told me he would never listen again because he would, didn't think I was that good. <laughs> but he told... But the pie... Sounds like honestly, Sanchez. <laughs> or, excuse me, Gonzalez. Coach Gonzalez. Oh, we'll, we'll get into that oh. in a moment. But. Oh, man. Yeah, your tweet went viral, by the way. Um. So, uh, anyways, the pie was like crust with just jello in it. Crust with jello? I'm not even kidding. It was just crust and jello, like, like it was just like jello on top of the crust. It, it wasn't like I, I just I realized instead of saying it was bad pie, I just realized why I don't like pie. Period. <laughs> <laughs> I just, yeah, it confirmed every every reason I needed to know that why I don't like pie. So no, it was good. I'm actually, uh, I, I, in fact, I'm I'm remote today because I made a commitment to a friend. Um, I spent some time with them, and I was like, oh, my gosh, wait, I have a show today. So I said, hey, look, I, I can come hang out, but I, I need to do my show. And he's like, oh, okay. He's like, but come over and have And he actually made a smoked chicken, um, and the smoked chicken was incredible. I mean, amazing. And then he uh, he had a homemade cake, which is my go-to. So I had a homemade cake, chicken, I had the stuffing. I mean, it was, it was a really good Thanksgiving, or I guess Thanksgiving post-dinner. That I uh, I honestly look like I'm six months pregnant right now. I'm not even kidding. It's bad. Uh. <laughs> uh, shoot. Hey, do you know who had a really good Thanksgiving, though? Um, was that football team. I, I know we'll get into it more later. I'm sure we will. But I just, I thought they were just phenomenal in every phase of the game. But I then got up this morning, and I was just on Twitter doing some stuff, and then I saw your tweet. About the comments that Coach Gonzalez had made, can you tell me how you came across from that and your reaction when you saw that, and, and maybe read to our listeners the quote that it was? Because it just it, it mind boggled me that he said it. Okay, so this Utah State, uh, usually the home team, will will issue some summaries of some post game comments. They'll they'll include some post game comments. They're not summaries. They try to get them as accurate as they can in the in the moment, but they don't give you the full transcript but they'll give you a couple of, of responses that a coach will give for the for the home team and then they'll give you the visiting team just one little thing maybe from the visiting team and for the comments that they they shared from New Mexico's head coach Danny Gonzalez I will read what was in the release sent from from Utah state officials uh, last night he said and I quote we're a bad football team my message in the locker room was exactly that. I've been around some really good football teams, and the only way you get better is if you show up to work the next opportunity you get, which will be tomorrow. Close quote. So, uh, like, I get it. I, I mean, I get it. Like, you're 0-5. You're getting your trash kicked. 
Um, you, you got manhandled by Utah State for 30 minutes of football in the in the in the final two quarters. But dude, like your kids are confident. Like confidence is is gone. It's shot and it's struggling. And those kids aren't going in there thinking, "Hey, we're still a good football team." Those kids are going in there frustrated. There's maybe tears. There's maybe you know anger. And to have a head coach go in there and say, "Well, you're a bad football team." Well, no crap, man. Like you don't you don't think we know that right now? We're on the field and we're getting burnt. Like we understand we're a bad football team. And just to say that, it just, I, when I read that tweet from you, I couldn't believe my, just, I couldn't believe he would say something like that to his team. Yeah, I, I agree. Look, these guys know that they're, they're struggling. They're getting better. But, look, this is a team that Utah State could not stop the option. And why did they go away from it? <laughs> That's on coaching. I get it that you had your your you had to throw in your third string quarterback late in the game, but once he started, you know, changing the game plan a little bit, he could throw the ball, and they just didn't seem like they could really adapt very well. And that's what kind of surprised me. Um, it just it never goes well when your new head coach just <laughs> calls your team calls you. Your own guys, his own guys. We're a bad football team. You guys are bad. We're a bad football team, and they go and talk to the media about it. I don't see. Yeah, and then yeah, that's the other thing. Yeah, they're gonna have guys fight for you the next couple of weeks. I mean, I get it. You gotta try and inspire them to work harder the next day and continue to improve. And this this team has one of the longest losing streaks in the in America. I get that you're trying to find different things to motivate and get going, but my goodness, that's not the way to do it. Yeah, he. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's and, and and it's stuff like that where you lose your job, where the kids are like, "Look, we don't want to play for this guy anymore." Either you get him out, or else we'll, we'll play for somebody else. We'll go somewhere else. Can't I mean, you just can't do that to those kids. Unbelievable. <laughs> Just blows my mind. Uh, so, so um, some of the responses that I got on social media last night after putting that. Awesome! Up. I'd love to hear uh, this. Ben Coltrin, uh, you hate to hear someone who just lost to you say that. I understand the sentiment, but the truth is they've improved vastly from last year. Um, that's a this Matt Christensen. That's a bad take by a coach. You got to be more positive than that. You have to make these twenty-year-old kids feel like they are close. This isn't it. Glad he's not our coach. Uh, amen to that. Uh, let's see, there were a couple others. There's a, a, a lot of uh, retweets to that. Um, oh, now where did it go? Sorry, there's just so much. Uh, um, yeah, there were a couple others. I uh, Mountain West Wire says, sharp honesty, but patience will be a virtue in Albuquerque. Yeah, and I love Ben's tweet. Um, I love his response. Like, that team was bad last year. And they have vastly improved this year. Now they're going to say, well, you play a 0-4 football team. This 0-4 football team, you want to talk about coaching? Um, there's been a switch that has been turned on for this Aggie team ever since Gary left and Frank stepped in. Frank has been just incredible in handling this situation. It's an, In fact, this situation is tougher than the last one he started with. Oh, and, uh, and I yeah, and he's and he and, and it gets harder every week. 
um, and he handled it extremely well. Um, thought I just I, I thought it was phenomenal work, and um, yeah, g good for uh, good for Frank Miley, and, and and but again, I just it's it's all about coaching, right? It's all about leadership, and we didn't have that with Anderson even last year. There was no leadership with Anderson, none, and it definitely disappeared this year too. Um, and so, uh, coaching does matter. That that voice does matter. Those kids listen to that voice, whether you think so or not. And uh, the way they have, uh, the way Coach Gonzalez, I interviewed him like two days ago, and he was, you know, polite, confident about his team, excited about the challenge. But geez, I, I would never imagine to get up this morning and see the tweet that uh, the comments that he said this morning was just absolutely astonished me. Uh, here's another reaction to that. This is coming from Seattle Six. Ouch is right because I said ouch before I shared the the comment. He says Danny is no motivational speaker. They're not a bad team. They're just missing something. And then Michael yeah. Lemon, the Idaho Aggie, says like a good coach starts at the top. I saw a very talented team, very poor coaching. Yeah, no, I'd agree with that 100. percent Absolutely. I mean, why do you ball your team out when you you got your third string quarterback in there? Who this is his first time he's played any football at this level. Yeah, I, it just surprised me. I, I I agree that there were some coaching decisions that they made that really surprised me. Took me by surprise that they were running the option with success. Utah State was having a really hard time figuring that out, but they just kind of sprinkled it in here and there and. No, no, we're going to go back to trying a few other things. Well, it's working, so why don't you keep exploiting that? Yeah, it almost became a blessing when they ran away from the option, huh? <laughs> like, they just started kind of going through the air, and that wasn't working. I thought Shaq Bond was incredible last night. The great thing about Miley was that he sent blitzes immediately, like, just to start attacking immediately. You saw Shaq Bond coming, Shaq Bond coming from the uh, defensive backfield, and he was teeing off on the cadence. Like they, like, I mean, they just were not mixing up the cadence. So Shaq Bond just started teeing off on it uh, and, and had one big uh, tackle for a loss as well. Just, I mean, it's, it's incredible. They just went away from what was working, and that's when things went added, spiraled out of control. And as crazy as it sounds... He he ended up making adjustments after the half when you're up seven. Like that just amazed me that he would do it. Uh, I want to get more of your reaction to the game. Uh, some really interesting officiating that took place. Thankfully, oh my gosh, don't cost Please the don't. Aggies. No, <laughs> it's so so bad. Uh, oh, thankfully, geez. Utah State was able to overcome that. Uh, but more reactions to Utah State football victory last night. Uh, if you watched it, uh, opportunity to weigh in on that four three five. Three three nine zero three two one. Your favorite leftovers from Thanksgiving. We want to get your takes on that, and we'll also get into our pick six, the things we think will happen this weekend. Stick around here on the Full Court Press. The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools, the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio one zero six nine FM thirteen ninety AM. The Fan. Coach Miley, Jason Turner from the Herald Journal. Obviously, your young guys played really well tonight. You were missing some veterans tonight. Uh, Jalen Warren, he wasn't out there. Kevin Metzenheimer. Are these guys uh, Are these guys going to be back soon, or, or, or might they be out for a little while? Uh, we, sh we should we should gain them back here uh, next week. Well, let's hope that's the case. 
That's Coach Miley at the very end of his presser last night. Uh, it was kind of funny, Ajay, uh, watching the game, and I hadn't noticed that Kevin Metzenheimer wasn't in the game yet, that he hadn't made a play or he hadn't had his name called. And all of a sudden, I'm watching the game as I'm also watching social media, and all of a sudden, he's tweeting about the game and plays that his teammates were making and cheering them on. Like, oh, I guess he's not out there right now. <laughs> so, so what's really weird is game to game now, just the situation that we're in, if a guy's not there, we just don't know. It could be any of three things right now. Either he's hurt, either he's got COVID or contact tracing. I'm going to lump those two together. Or he's going to transfer. <laughs> uh, it, it's so hard to know right now because some players have already announced that they're transferring. Who knows how many others might decide to leave. Uh, we don't know what the COVID situation is right now. Um, but what we do know is that team came together last night, Ajay. They, I thought they made some great defensive plays. We, we talk a lot about Andrew Peasley and slinging the ball around, and he had some great throws and some great runs. But I thought that defense really stepped up, especially in that second half. And that third quarter was fantastic. Yeah, they had a couple, I believe New Mexico had a couple, three third and short yardage situations and didn't convert any of those three. Um, you know, set in on the run, covered gaps really well. Defense, I thought, the defensive backfield I thought was really great, led by Shaq Bond. You know, they're, they're, they're in dire straits. That is a very slim backfield. And now Tatum, by the way, is out for the first half of the Air Force game because he was ejected on a targeting call. Um, but uh, that's a slim defensive backfield, and they're in a major amount of <laughs> of trouble just regards their depth in that backfield. But I thought they were great last night against New Mexico. The linebackers were solid, made good reads, were able to tackle. Um, but you know, you know, you're right. We're always going to go back to Peasley in this game, but we should, Eric. Remember, like, was it in Nevada? Nevada feels like four months ago now. I got to be honest. But remember the Nevada game where Peasley came in. And one hop DHC from like six yards out, and then overthrew I think Warren by like thirty yards on a flat route, and we just thought this is not good. Like it's got to be Cooper Lagara or bust. And then here you know Peasley gets the start, um, and he just and what I loved is when we talked to Frank Miley in the pregame, Frank was like, we're gonna take deep shots. Like we're gonna we're gonna show confidence in Peasley that we feel like he can do what we need him to do. That we can ask him, hey, let's go on a play action, you know, vertical route from the guy in the slot. And and they did it. And I know the first deep ball he threw was overthrown by like two yards, but Shelley would have put that thing thirty yards ahead of him and maybe out of bounds. And Peasley was for the most part on that throw on the money. And then, you know, they went back to him again. Um, he had another, uh, he had another deep ball that was caught. Uh, he just looks so in control. The throwing motion, the footwork, quick decision making. Uh, the one thing I need him to do is he needs to slide. You cannot be affording to go out there and acting like Mr. Tough Guy against a 250 pound linebacker ready to take your head off. He's got to slide, Eric. Yes, he does need to get better. Uh, need to do a little better <laughs> with uh, sliding. Uh, and initiating the slide a little bit earlier. Uh, got a couple of, of texts kind of, I guess, in line with that a little bit. This is from 2776. I've been in sports and special for over 20 years, 
and never really comment on bad calls. But that targeting no call and the fumble with replay were pretty silly. Oh, they were horrible. They were horrible. I've got a, a photo that I saw. Um, I believe this was shot by Rick Parker. He's a fantastic photographer. Does a lot. He's done stuff for us at Cash Valley Daily from the, here in the Cash Valley Media Group, and he's done uh, stuff for Utah State shooting game pictures. He's got a photo clear as day that he shared on social media that shows Peasley stretching for the pylon. You can see where his left foot is is touching down out of bounds, but he still has the ball firmly in his hand. And that the 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 refs like the time they took to review so many other calls last night, like okay, you know they gave it each call and each review an appropriate amount of time, maybe sometimes a little bit too long and was kind of obvious, but uh, but they they took a long time and a good an, an appropriate amount of time on each review, but on that one, it's like. No, we're going with what we uh, what we saw in real time. Yeah, well, here's the thing. Like, I have a problem with two things. One, so I wasn't listening to a TV broadcast, but I heard like the referee in studio, um, Mr. Moron himself, was it like Blandino or something? First of all, he said that his foot was out and the ball was still in his hand. Um, <laughs> and and the Mount West Division crew comes out and says, "Oh, nope, it's a fumble," and it's like. What the fetch? And I'm not a big fan of Blandino. I am not going to lie to you. Never really been that big of a fan. And then he, I, I, I was told that he called the, uh, the the targeting play that was should have been targeting, and it wasn't. And when they said it wasn't, um, Blandino's like, yeah, well, the defender lowered his head, and you can see it's clear targeting, like it's clear as could be. And the Mount West referee crew comes out and like, nah, no, it's not. And I, I, from what I was told, Blandino kind of was like disgusted with it. I don't know <laughs> yes. if that's true or not. I just yes, heard he about was. this. Uh, he was. And in fact, the 2776 texts that in uh, as well. Um, a screenshot of uh, some, on social media, somebody quoting Team Blandino, like, just as you've said, and the Mountain West referee crew just contradicts what he said. Oh, no kidding. And how we interpret a lot of the viewing public was interpreting the rule and what. What act? What the uh, replay showed and illustrated. And so, by the way, a, it was a bad crew. The spots were that, bad. It was it was rough. It was a rough night for that crew. Oh, it's AKA Aggie. Yeah, it's uh, AKA. I love this guy. He's so good. I love AKA. He's awesome. Um, but yeah, there it is, man. He, he says and he quotes it. Dean Bellandino, the defender lowered his head to make contact with the runner. Obvious targeting. Mountain West referee crew. There's no targeting. <laughs> And then Mountain West officiating crew play or uh, Dean, Dean Blandino clears day foot out of bounds still has the ball in his hand. Mountain West officiating crew play stands or play stands and fumble. Oh my gosh! Yeah, dude, thank you, AK Aggie, you're the best. That's so good. I and by the way, you're so right. The reviews took way too long. That half should have been 29 minutes shorter, but because the referees get paid by the hour. They decide, you know what, let's go ahead and lengthen it a little bit. This game's going way too fast, and everybody would rather be here at the stadium than be home with their families. <laughs> and just, I I about lost my freaking mind, man. I was like, do we need to review every dang thing? And you could tell Miley, I think it was, I can't remember what play it was, but they wanted to review it, and Miley's like on the 30-yard line. He's standing just above the numbers, and he's just kind of like in arms in the air as uh, such of, do we really need to replay this again? 
Well, and, and the, uh, it's an obvious yeah. tipped pass that Utah State recovered and ran it back to the touchdown, and no one blew their whistle. And then they have to review that. It's like it was so obvious. It was a tipped pass. Uh, it was a rough night for the refs. Uh, we got to call oh, the time out here on the full court press. Uh, more when we come back. Coming up next hour, our pick six, our Friday five best, five best leftovers from Thanksgiving, and we'll also get into Utah State basketball and uh, as they have wrapped up their tournament in South Dakota. Stick around. Talking the sports you care about. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Eric France and Ajay Salveson, nice win last night for the Utah State football team, beating New Mexico 41-27, to their first win of the season, 28 points in the third quarter alone. A great defensive effort by the Aggies as well, and uh, really happy for the team. I don't know if you saw the videos of the post-game celebrations in the locker room. Those guys were were amped, and good for them. You know, after struggling and all the... the strangeness of, of 2020 and then all the turmoil over the last few weeks. And it was awesome to see that team get a win and see those guys celebrate. And for the, the, the guys that are still here, you know, hey, we're going to keep fighting and try to win games. And for those that want to stick around, it's going to be a fun ride. We're going to make it fun and go win some more. So hopefully they do. Uh, next week it's Air Force, uh, a, a team that did not play this last week, a team that has a very unique style. It's tough to prepare for and play against. Uh, Aggies did struggle a little bit with that against New Mexico. If there's a good tune-up for Air Force, it is New Mexico. But Aggies are going to have their hands full this next week. Coming up next hour, we'll get into more about the basketball perspective, our pick six, and Friday, five best. Stick around. It's the Full Court Press. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. Sunday's Chiefs-Buccaneers game might have the easiest pregame storyline to write of the entire season. The passing of the torch from Tom Brady to Patrick Mahomes seems obvious. Brady is the GOAT. Mahomes feels like he's next in line, which is kind of funny because they have different styles. Brady is your classic drop-back quarterback. Mahomes can drop back, but he can also run all over the place and sling the ball sidearm for a long touchdown. Brady beat Mahomes in the 2018 AFC title game and then went on to win the Super Bowl with the Patriots that year. Mahomes got his first ring with the Chiefs the following season, and now they play in a crucial game. Both are vying for playoff position. There's a long way to go, but at least there's a chance this could be a Super Bowl preview. The NFL would obviously love that. Quarterbacks sell, and Mahomes and Brady will likely end up being two of the greatest to ever do it. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. The sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. What's going on, everybody? Good Friday afternoon. Hope you're having a great Thanksgiving weekend. Utah State football wins last night. Utah State basketball wins this afternoon picking up their first win of the young season. So a lot of things to be thankful for and happy about for Aggie fans everywhere. By the way, I will say this. I'll remind you, if you want to listen more uh, about specifically what happened today for the basketball game, Al Lewis, John Russell, they're still breaking it down next door, uh, the studio next door to us. 
That's on KVNU. That's 610 AM, 102.1 FM on the KVNU mobile app and on KVNUtalk.com if you want to listen because uh, that's where you can weigh in specifically about that game. We'll love to take your feedback as well. But uh, those guys are continuing their KVNU Aggie call still after the game concluded earlier. Utah State doing a nice job, especially in that second half against Northern Iowa. Uh, Northern Iowa had the lead 55-47 to with about 14 minutes in the second half. And then they didn't score. I mean, they only scored like four or five points over the next – 10 minutes. So uh, Utah State really held them scoreless. Aggies got on a run themselves. They stayed consistent. They didn't allow themselves to get too bogged down. We're able to continue to put the pressure on. And this was the first game this season for me, Ajay, that I felt like this is a Gata team. The first two games, we didn't see much of that attitude, that get-after-it attitude that Coach Craig Smith loves to preach about, but we really didn't see too much of it in action but he also went with the shorter rotation t- uh, today in the game against Northern Iowa. Yeah, in regards to not getting after it, you're right. Games one and two, they just seemed slow. Uh, they seemed a little bit cabobbled. Uh, ca- um, it just they didn't, they didn't look smooth. They didn't look like Christmas Utah State basketball. Um, I mean, transition defense was horrendous. People were taking open threes everywhere, getting into the lane with ease, uh, getting layups with ease. Uh, and, and so I, I, it felt like today they came in with a little bit more urgency on the defensive side of the ball. And the other thing that was killing them was scoring droughts. They did have, uh, I think, two today to total five and a half, six minutes, I believe. Um, but nothing too major like they've had the last two nights. And so they were able to... Uh, they were able to uh, kind of wart the storm, if you will. Um, and, I mean, like I say, 8271 is your final. So you'll take it going 1-3 and three into next week when you get BYU next Saturday night in the Spectrum. But they're going to have to play a lot, lot better if they want any chance to stay with BYU. Yeah, I think that's true. I think BYU's got the benefit of maybe a little more experience coming back with them. They've had some good tune-up games against lower Lower division, lower competition to figure out you know who they are with their new new pieces. Utah State has kind of thrown themselves against some pretty tough competition to get things started. Um, and they're going to, who knows, if there's going to be more games uh, between now and then, if they sneak one in, I kind of doubt it at this point, but you never know in 2020. But I think this Utah State basketball team just needs more time together on the court. And... Uh, for this coaching staff to figure out who they have, who can really handle Division One basketball. And I think that was kind of exposed a little bit in the first two games. And uh, this, this coaching staff, credit them for their adjustments, realizing who's up to the task, who's up to the challenge, and going with those guys. Sprinkling in a few others to still give them some opportunities, but not extended mom- uh, minutes. Uh, going with those who are, are, are going to give you the best shot, shot at winning a game. Yeah, that's the biggest thing is, and I don't know when you start tightening your rotation down, but you got to probably do it before conference play. Luckily, they start with San Jose State, so that's a good thing. Um, but uh, I would, I would say maybe after BYU, you you start looking at your rotation and say, okay, who are the guys that we want to see get major minutes, e- either at starting or in your rotation. Um, 
and and how you can have that done and ready to go by San Jose State. The thing is, though, is that Craig Smith is 0-3 against BYU. One of them was a blowout, and the second one was a was a close game, but, um, you know, when you're playing this Tulsa kid and Hawes on the same team, they can't miss. It's kind of unfair. But it, I would imagine he wants to make it that game competitive or at least try to try to get a win. So you got to, I mean, you got to play your seven best players. Play your five best starters and then get your two other guys where you need the best chance. And I would, if it's me and I'm guessing, I think that's going to be Dorius and Ashworth. I really do. I think those two guys are going to help along with the starters give you the best chance to win. But as as we know with Craig Smith, I always expect the unexpected. Yeah, yes. Well, a couple of things that, um, a, a few key stats that I want to look at from this three games, this three game tournament that they just got done with. Uh, I want to look at three point attempts, three point makes, assists, and turnovers. Um, because I think those are some of the key areas with the, these new guards. I just, what does this team makeup look like? How well are they going to shoot the ball? What are they, what this, what's this team going to look like? So, uh, against VCU, shooting the three, they were four of 17. Not great. Only eight team assists. Also, not great. 18 turnovers. Now, a lot of that came when they really amped up their pressure there in the second half, and they had seven turnovers to only six points in that final 10 minutes. Um, Against South Dakota State, they were 7 of 22 from three. 11 assists, 16 turnovers. And then today against Northern Iowa, 7 of 17 from three, 14 assists, and 13 turnovers. So each game, it was improving, getting better in the direction that it needed to be, and a better three-point shooting percentage, better assists, uh, the turnover ratio, more guys getting involved in sharing the ball, and uh, better at uh, handling the ball. So I think those are encouraging signs just to how this team was trending through this tournament, Uh, but clearly still a lot of work to do for these guys. Yeah, a ton of work. Uh, the transition defense needs to be better. The defense overall needs to be better. Scoring droughts need to stop, and the turnovers have been an absolute joke. Got to be better taking care of the ball. Uh, if they want any chance of beating BYU, they got to be taking care of the ball, or else this thing's going to get away from them really, really quickly. So those are kind of the three things I'm looking at. Uh, we, special treat, the, the KVNU Aggie call has concluded, and so John Russell... You got John? Has, uh, he's slid over and yes. snuck into our studio. Yes! <laughs> yeah, I love this guy. Try, try um, to fill Ajay's chair here. and uh... Dude, it's super easy. I mean, just check the text line. So many people want me gone. <laughs> um... Hey, John, can, if Eric, if I may ask, John, I, I got to ask you, uh, and ask Eric the same question, want to get your thoughts. Two-part two question. One, when do you start hammering down your starting lineup and your main rotation, guys, with conference plays starting just before Christmas, 21st and 23rd, versus San Jose State, and when you get to that point, and if you're Coach Smith, jump in his shoes, who is your starters, and what does your rotation look like, how many guys is it? Well, first of all, you got to remember not to give me two questions. I can barely handle one at a time. <laughs> so uh, so I'll, I'll do my best here. I think you're already seeing it. Uh, Alfonso Anderson didn't play in the second half at all. Uh, Bearstow was on the court for maybe a minute or two. 
and uh, uh, Ashworth uh, just a minute or two. He really relied on the five key guys trying to intermingle a couple of guys for a minute or two just to get a break. So I think you know who your starting five are already. I think it's it's pretty solid that it's going to be Bean, Kata, um, Miller, Worcester, and who am I missing? Anthony. And Anthony. Uh, and as far as the bench goes, to me coming into this season, it really the key key was going to be that bench play. I think you felt really confident about those five, kind of feeling like they were going to be the, the leaders. Uh, but but you've seen no bench production. Four points from your bench this afternoon. That, I mean, that's wow. that will that will actually lose you games. That's not sustainable. No, and and, and especially against a team as, as much as this pains me to say. A team as good as BYU, you need your bench to not only come in and maintain a lead if you have it, but be able to add a point or two. And and from what we've seen, that that's not going to happen. So uh, your five are pretty much set, and and they're pretty solid. It was great performance. Uh, had Brock not missed that last free throw he took, you would have had five shoot a uh, five starters in double digits tonight. Uh, but again, all your bench scored four points. Yeah, that's not sustainable. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> now, uh, in this tournament, though, John, you saw every game. You you tracked. A, you you watched these games closely. Um, who showed the biggest improvement from the start of the tournament to as it's now concluded? Well, I think Anthony had Marka had the best finish, and uh, Al brought it up in our our post game call and show. You know, he talked about it. he was not only was I think he maybe a little embarrassed about his performance in the first couple of games. But then he was given a major defensive assignment against uh, 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 Northern Iowa, and he did a phenomenal job. You could tell towards the end of the game he really gave it his all. He was exhausted. I, I think you saw really Justin Bean recognizing that, you know what, uh, his role is going to be even bigger. One of the things that I've worried about all season, they're coming into this season, is not only did you lose Sam Merrill, NBA draft pick, you know, all-time Aggie, great. Some would argue the greatest all-around Aggie. Period. Uh, not only, but but we're we're not thinking about. We lost our point guard. We lost Diogo Brito, who was certainly a calming force throughout the season. And so I think some of these other guys who've been able to just kind of do their thing, guys like Justin Bean, Nimi, for to a certain extent, um, some of these other guys, they're they're going to have to step up. And so. Uh, I think you saw that from Justin Bean today. He he came in and decided he was going to be much more aggressive. I love the way Marco Anthony finished the game, and I think uh, uh, Worcester is going to be quite the player coming down. He, he, you know, the first game there were there were a couple of deer in the headlight <laughs> moments, but then he turned around and really kind of took off. Uh, had a career high tonight. Really, Worcester uh, Worcester has been. I guess surprisingly good for a lot of us. It seems starting was kind of a shock for me, at least. What have you seen out of him, and what's something that he needs to work on, in your opinion, before as we as the season goes on? Uh, I love his confidence. I mean, I love the fact that he came in that first game. He, you know, he he felt like he looked like he felt like he needed. He was supposed to be there. That. That was his role. But I think all these guys, and, and the hardest thing about this opening match, this opening tournament, was the fact that uh, you had guys that had never played three games in a row against this level of competition. And so I think you saw a little bit of that. Yesterday, I think everybody was just kind of 
just blown away and, and tired and worn out. And I think they got a better night's rest to that last night, ready to go today. Um, so I think what you're going to see from the younger guys, especially, game's a lot quicker. Your defense is not just you know one stop. You got to be be ready to go every single time. Uh, I think that's with with him. He's going to have to work on. I, I I'm not worried about his offense abilities, his confidence when it comes to his offensive game. But you got to be able to to hit the bucket and then get back down court and stop the other guy who wants to hit a bucket. John, let me ask you, I didn't pick up on this initially last night, but comparing the games uh, over the last three games, uh, against South Dakota State, Utah State only attempted 12 free throws as a team. They made 10. Great free throw percentage. Okay, nice. But for Namiya Keta against Northern Iowa today, he was 9 of 11 himself. Yeah. Against VCU, he alone was 7 of 12. But against South Dakota, he didn't even attempt a free throw. Were the Aggies just not aggressive against South Dakota State or not trying to force the issue? Or is it just not South Dakota's game and they played clean basketball? Give them credit. I think it was a little bit of both. But but I really felt like uh, uh, against South Dakota State, the Aggies were never in that game. When, when you watch it, it seemed like they never – and that can make a difference. Yeah, really seemed to realize what was going on, that they had a game game to play. And, uh, I mean, there were turnovers that were just – they were bad turnovers where, you know, you're looking – you're thinking, am I watching junior jazz? Am I watching my eight-year-old kid in his first year? There there were some bad plays, and, and I just don't think the Aggies did it. Now, granted, they had 30 – was it 31 tonight, 31 free throws? Uh, the Aggies? Yes. Uh, I was going to get back to that game. It was quite a few. Now, several of them came down the stretches. As yes, they were 23 of 31. 23 of 31. A lot of those free throws were as Northern Iowa was trying to get fouls, stop the clock, see if they could do something. But Nimi, look, I, when it comes to Nimi, we love him, and he he's clearly one of the best players in the country, CBS Top 50, one of the best centers in the country. He's got to get a little more of a mean streak. Because there's too many times he's, he's gone into the post, he's had Amen. the ball, taken his time. He needs to go in there and and rattle some teeth. I, I want to see somebody bending over to pick up the teeth that he's knocked out. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Well, and last night he had opportunities to go to the rim and just flush it, finish strong, but he would go soft and it would either get blocked or just kind of roll out. And he, he had opportunities to finish strong, but he didn't. Yeah. And he's, you look at him physically, he looks more imposing this year than last year, and then the difference between last year and the year before was phenomenal. He's got it. Just just don't worry about it. You know, just hammer somebody, posterize them, stand over them, and take a tee. I'm all down for that. <laughs> he did have four blocks today. Yeah. I thought he was hey, more you- aggressive attacking uh, people who were coming after him into the paint. Hey, John, i got to ask you on well, a lot of what VCU and even South Dakota State did, and then I felt like you and I was trying to copy the blueprint, was a screen on the top and then a skip pass to either the opposite corner or just going to the opposite wing, and they were getting wide-open looks. Why is that? What are you seeing defensively from the Aggies that is getting, like, just on a simple skip pass? Is it just rotation? Is it miscommunication? Is it guys losing their, you know, their assignment? What is it? I think quite simply they're they're doing things that that fundamentally are right. 
They're trying to help Nimi in the post. They're trying to help, and, and they're giving that backside up. And, and I think you have to realize Nimi is, is one of the best, not only the best centers, but one of the best defensive centers. He has such great footwork. He understands the game. I don't think you need to help him. And I think what you need to do is recognize that, you know what, if that skip pass is there and other teams are able to, to hit it, they're going to do it all night. So don't, don't even let them get hot. Don't even let them get the chance. Let Nimi take care of business. There are very few players in college basketball right now that I would be overly concerned if he had to take them on one-on-one. Let him do his business. So does more of the offense need to go through Keta yeah. with this team? And their current makeup, based on his skill and his ability and some of the other things going on around him? Yeah, without a doubt. That's all i got to say, yes, <laughs> period. <laughs> and, then, um, and then the turnover situation offensively, I think Eric brought this up too, but the, the, the turnovers have been horrendous. In all three games, they've been an absolute atrocious. What is, is it self-force errors, or is it the defense just causing those turnovers? You know, uh, uh, Al kind of uh, got on me a little bit and said, hey, we got to win. Let's just enjoy the win and, and move on because we know Coach Smith is a great coach and he's going he's gonna to follow up on these things. But, but again, who was running the ball? Who was running the office in those first couple of games? You had a freshman. You had uh, Bearstow, who who didn't see a whole lot of time last year. Uh, you've got Ashworth. You've got, you know, you've got guys that really have not been in that situation. And and I go back to, not only did they have to come in and have an important role to, in the get go, but they had to do it for three games in a row against three teams that won twenty games last year. We're we're not talking about slouches. Sorry, all due respect. This wasn't Troy State and Texas A and M Corpus Christi who did beat the Aggies. So you know, let's. I guess I should back them out. I mean, these were not, not Westminster. Exactly. So these are teams that not only were good last year, but they're perennial good teams. Northern Iowa always is good. VCU always good. Uh, San Diego or South Dakota State always good. Well coached, very solid teams. So uh, I think a lot of it was you know the lights were bright. You were playing good quality competition. That was very well coached, and I, I think it just all caught up with them. We saw them get better today, and I think you'll see that. Uh, but tough matchup coming up in a week. Uh, with one last thing on Kata before we let you go, John. Uh, just in this tournament, he had uh, in a game where he had 10 rebounds, 8 rebounds, and 10 rebounds. So he was always right there flirting with double-doubles in each game. And then... Four blocks, three blocks, and one block. Uh, eight blocks in three games. That's impressive. Yeah. he's. But here's the thing is is my feeling, and, I, and I'd like to hear your thoughts on it, both of you, is that you know I, I watched all three games. He didn't take over games like I think he can. And, and, I, and I think that's the difference is those are great numbers, but I could easily see him throwing up 20, 15, five or six blocks. Uh, there were a couple of times today where you could tell their star went in, had a wide-open shot, but you could tell he was kind of out of this corner of his eye going, Where, where's Kata? Where's that big guy? I know <laughs> yeah, i, I got to be aware of him. 
And I really think we, we're still just seeing the scratch in the surface of what he can do. I, I think he really is a 2012, 14, 5 kind of guy every night when he wants to be. Hey, really quickly before I let you go on my last question. Brock Miller has been good in these last three games. It seems like he's getting back confidence. What is the key to getting confidence back as a true shooter like Brock? And how big is that for him as we get into the season? Well, Eric just asked, does it have to go through Nimi? And, and, and yes, it does, period. No ifs, ands, or buts. But if you don't have people on the outside hitting shots, the defenses can just, they can cheat. You know, they can send not a double but a triple going, you know what, uh, you know, Brock's, you know, a 25% shooter. I'm, I'm willing to take that chance. And uh, the, the thing that I saw Brock do a couple of times uh, over the last three games, which I liked, is he didn't just sit there and settle for the three. He took a couple of dribbles, got inside a little bit, took a two-pointer, and, and that's going to keep them honest. Um, I've, I've been very critical of Brock over the last couple of years, more than anything, because we need him. He has to be there for those shots. And I think if he can get to the point where he's a consistent 50% shooter, 45 50% shooter from the three-point arc, oof, that, that, that opens everything up. When you've got an interior presence like Nimi Keta, you you've got to be able to have a great outside shot because they're, gonna, they're either going to uh, collapse down to, to double Keta in the post and he's got to find the open guy and sling it around for an easy open outside shot or they, have, they know that they can't slough off and, and come to double down on the post because you're going to got this great three-point shooter out on the edge that's going to kill you. So it's going to open up more space for Keta to get work done. It really works nicely if you can have a solid of, of both. And the Brock Miller has been a little inconsistent there, but I'm with you. I've, I've liked what he's done so far this year. He seems to be more comfortable in his shot, and let's just hope that it, it goes that way and continues to improve for him where he can be that weapon uh, beyond the arc for Utah State. You know, Brock just needs to be that guy grabbing the low-hanging fruit. Sit on the outside. Pick all those beautiful apples that are at the bottom of the branch. Enjoy them. Hit your open shots over and over again. Let Nimi, let Justin do the dirty work inside. Let them be the ones that are having to climb the ladder and grab the, grab the tough stuff because they like it. That's, <laughs> that's what they do best. All right, John, uh, thanks for joining us, popping in after doing your work over on KVNU Aggie Call, uh, giving us the perspective of the game today, Utah State beating Northern Iowa 82 to 71, Utah State's first win of the season. Uh, they go to one and two after losing to VCU and South Dakota State in uh, South Dakota at the Bad Boy Mowers crossover classic. Uh, their next game, not until next Saturday, correct? Against correct. BYU in Logan. So And no time set. We're waiting for that. Yeah. All right, we're gonna call a timeout here in the full court press. When we come back, uh, f- our let's do our Friday five best. Your five best leftovers. How do we not get John to? I mean, have, Thanksgiving. You don't think John does leftovers? How do we not get that from him? <laughs> I'm well, a human leftover. What are you talking about? <laughs> we'll, we'll have John's perspective on what he enjoys most for leftovers. I'd love to hear this one. Uh, and you can weigh in as well. Four three five three three nine zero three two one here on the Full Court Press. The Aggies are number one here. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com.
Eric France and Andre Salveson. John Russell needed a sneak out, but it was fun having him here. Get his thoughts about Utah State basketball. What's his freaking leftovers? I want to know what the guy eats. Uh, so he told me his his uh, favorite leftovers uh, are uh, rolls. Yes. Stuffing. Okay. Rolls. Uh, <laughs> cranberry sauce. And rolls. <laughs> <laughs> So I think he likes the rolls. It stands out. Jeez. <laughs> stands out for John. Uh, if, you, if you want to text in, we'd love to get your thoughts about your favorite Thanksgiving leftovers, 435-339-0321. And uh, 2776 shares with us uh, favorite Thanksgiving leftovers, turkey, stuffing, and cranberries on a dinner roll. That'll be lunch for the next week, plus um, uh, bone uh, from the uh, – well, this says plus bone brother from the turkey carcass. What? Maybe that's bone broth. Maybe that's what it's supposed to mean. Bone broth. I have heard of people um, taking, you know, you, you carve the turkey and you, and you pick all the meat off and you got the like the leftover, like the, the skeleton with all the other stuff on it. Uh, some people will uh, put that in a pot and make a make like a stew out of it, a, a, a broth. So, yeah, that's good stuff. That's good stuff. So, Aji, let's get into it. Our Friday five best of five best Thanksgiving leftovers. And if you want to weigh in, we'd still take your your uh, recommendations as well. Four three five three three nine zero three two one, or you can submit them through the K- the uh, one hundred six point nine the fan mobile app. But let's start with number five, Ajay. What's number five on your uh, best Thanksgiving leftovers? I hope you know. I had to really think about this, like, because I mean, this is this is your breakfast slash lunch or dinner the next day, so you have to be really wise what you're going to do um, in regards to leftovers. So I'm gonna do rolls, but there's like a special like a garlic roll that my mom makes. It's a special recipe. It's so good, and I, and I don't do the whole cranberry jam crap. No, that that's all garbage. You don't do that. You do simple. You just put some butter on it. You microwave it, and then you put some butter on it, and uh, it's delish. So rolls is my number five. Rolls is your number five. Okay, for me, the number five is mashed potatoes. Now, mashed potatoes as a leftover can be kind of tricky in how you reheat it, and sometimes it's uh, you have to do it just the right way. It's not normally the same as when you've got it fresh and hot. We said if you just made it. But it's a nice compliment to some of the other things that you do. Put a big chunk of butter on there and let it melt. Add some of the gravy. Uh, but uh, number five on my list is the mashed potatoes. But I'm with you. You have to be careful about how you kind of spread this out, these leftovers out, to maximize, the A, the flavor and uh, the longevity of some of these leftovers. But for me, number five on my list is mashed potatoes. So number four for me is going to be mashed potatoes. Mashed potatoes warms up very nicely. Um, and I'm not a big gravy guy. I mean, I'll do it, but not a huge in it. But I mean, just eat like, eat like mashed potatoes and gravy. So simple to turn around and eat the next day. There's no complications with it. And uh, it makes, and it can fill you up really quickly, actually. So mashed potatoes is my number four. A little uh, salt and pepper on there too. It's yeah, it's good. Stuff. No, 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 no salt, no pepper. That's that's no. 
Don't complicate it, Eric. Uh, number four on my list, pumpkin pie. Now, uh, oh, it probably should geez. be higher. It should be lower. <laughs> but Pumpkin pie is the BYU based... of the college football playoff rankings. No, stop. Pumpkin is. pie is American as you can get. Uh, number. <laughs> well, I'm from India, so it's not American for me, so no. Well, you know, Mr. Ringmaster, you just have to experience the traditional <laughs> Americana. Uh, but American pie with the crust, uh, you know, you, you, you uh, cut off a little wedge there and pop it in the microwave for just a little bit, heat it up, throw some whipped cream or ice cream to the side. That's a, that's a great way to finish off uh, whatever leftovers, or even if it's not part of a, a full <laughs> leftover meal, you can always just do a little slice of pumpkin pie uh, later on. You should be ashamed of yourself. Just stuff like that shouldn't even be on the list. All right, so I'm sitting next to my my, my chef here, um, my my, my best friend, uh, and we're talking about five best leftovers from Thanksgiving. So I've done mashed potatoes, and I've done rolls. What would your number three be? Well, you're wrong. The first one is the leftover turkey. (laughs) Well, that's number one, but what's number three? And and if you say pie, I'm going to walk out of here. Okay, so my number three is going to be stuffing. Stuffing is easy to warm up, and it and it has all the ingredients. It has protein. Um, it has sometimes vegetables. It has yumminess. Carbs. Um, and it is huge. Lots of carbs. I mean, carbs. It has carbs. And you can have stuffing as just stuffing and nothing else. Stuffing would be my number three. Uh, I agree you can have stuffing as just a, a, an independent dish. Uh, Which but- makes it so good. Unfortunately, stuffing did not make my top five. Stuffing didn't make your top five? No. But but pumpkin pie did? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Oh, that's embarrassing. And I feel bad that pumpkin pie was four. Uh, I've done pumpkin pie a disservice by not ranking oh. it higher. But my number three are dinner rolls. Uh, warm rolls. Rolls are your number three? With some, uh, with some butter and some jam. Oh. Uh, you know, you use it to make the sandwich later. Uh, but uh, that's disrespectful, Eric. Rolls, rolls are number three on my Friday Five best uh, best Thanksgiving leftovers. Okay, so number two for leftovers of Thanksgiving dinner, and I really had to debate this. Um, in fact, I'm not even 100 percent sure I want to take it. Actually, we're gonna switch it. Number two is gonna be turkey, but it's got to be dark meat. White meat turkey is the worst turkey ever made. Oh, stop. Um, no, it bad? is. Yes, it is. Because it's soggy. It doesn't taste well. It's hard. It's, uh... Wait, how can it be soggy and hard? Well, be- It's got to be one you, or the other. How can it be soggy and hard? Well, it's it's interesting. Like, if you... When, when you still chew it, it still crumbles into little pieces. And it just... It tastes wrong. I mean, it tastes like it just is horrible. So number th- number two is going to be dark meat, okay? Dark meat, turkey, and it's got to be a little bit of fat in it. There's got to be a little bit of fat in it to make it, you know, the flavor. Wow. Okay. All right. Uh, number two on my list is a sweet potato souffle. Oh, dude, sweet potatoes is horrible. Oh, not when you've had That's it like this. That's such a bad decision. Not when you've had it like the way Mama Franson makes it. 
Um, you, uh, <laughs> the lovely Melissa knows how to put together an awesome sweet potato souffle. It's, You're such a kiss up. <laughs> it's it's sweet. You put the little marshmallows on top. Let them toast on, at, at the very end. Uh, now that's when it's normally when you have it on Thanksgiving. But even as a leftover, uh, when you throw it into the uh, into the microwave and you heat it up, you got the sweetness from the the marshmallows as it kind of melts into the rest of the sweet potato souffle. It melts in your mouth. It's just so sweet and delicious. It should be a dessert. It's so good. That's so number two. I have never had the sweet potato souffle. Okay, well, first of all, sweet potatoes is gross. Yams, sweet potato, and pie should ne- should be banned from Thanksgiving dinner tables as what? a crime. AJ, it should be a law. Are you against like candy at Halloween too? I mean, that's these are fundamental things that happen. No, for these are not. No, not for Thanksgiving. No, Thanksgiving dinner is mac and cheese, um, with a little bit of spice to it. Um, is uh. It's not sweet potato. Mashed potatoes, dark meat turkey, all right? Rolls is fine. Stuffing is an essential. Um, and but I've never had souffle. Are you all making right. that up? What's, all right. We what is, will, I'll make sure uh, the missus makes up some uh, sweet potato souffle for you sometime. Can I come over to your house and have it? I will bring it to the office. But ensure. if you bring it to the office, it's not going to taste the same. Oh, my friend's showing me souffle. It, it, it's like I want cornbread. To ins- I want to ensure the safety of, of everyone involved, so I'll make sure I'll bring it to the office. Well, the souffle looks like cornbread. Yeah, interesting. It's like a it's like a breaded like uh, no, this muffin. No, this is not a breaded muffin. No. Um. So, anyways, I have to mention the essentials, Eric. So far, are rolls, stuffing, dark meat turkey. Okay, that is a big one in here. Um, and my number one Thanksgiving leftover meal is cake. You what? have to have cake at your hey, Thanksgiving dinner. Because, Eric, some of us some of us hate our dad's garbage homemade pie that's jello on top of crust. And we are punished to eat it. Instead, I want me to have a delicious Chocolate mouse cake. Wait, chocolate mouse cake? Yeah, it's like chocolate mouse cake. I think it's it's mouse, right? It's moose. Oh, it's it's is it moose? <laughs> no, it's not. You chocolate, mean chocolate moose? That chocolate moose doesn't you know, even make know, any you, sense. If you put chocolate mouse cake on your number one thanks post Thanksgiving uh, leftover, I, I, I'm not surprised that you'd call it mouse because it's probably something different than. No, it is chocolate. Anyway, chocolate. Yeah, it's M O U U S E or M O U S S E. That's mouse. French. It's French for mouse. So it's, anyways, it is delicious. It is you can refrigerate it and then get it out and not even have to worry about microwaving it or sticking it in the oven. You take it out, you eat it, and you enjoy. Oh, it is mousse. Okay, well, you have your chocolate mousse cake. As my number one leftover dish. It is the greatest dish ever on Thanksgiving dinner. Better than your muffin souffle. Better than your hard, crusty stuffing. Better than your disgusting sweet potatoes, which isn't even a thing, uh, with marshmallows stuck inside of it. It's just, it is a, it is a blessing from on high when you've had it the right way. And unfortunately, you, it sounds like you haven't. 
<laughs> number one on my list. <laughs> I'm just moving on. Number one on my list. It's the turkey. Uh, you can have it just uh, with the other fixings, and, and it's like a, a a leftover meal of uh, a repeat of what you had on Thanksgiving itself. Or you can use it in sandwiches. You can use it uh, cold uh, in a sandwich with uh, some other fixings on the side. And it just you, you can stretch out the turkey part of it longer than anything else. And so, are you best, a dark meat or white meat guy? Um, I am an all-inclusive. You know, I do not discriminate. Not <laughs> racist against the meat. <laughs> all, all are welcome in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> all meats welcome in my mouth. Um, probably we need the edit button. We need a dumb button right now. <laughs> I, I do not discriminate from the the dark or the white. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's not the year to do that, but I enjoy both. I enjoy both. <laughs> hey, by the way, how horrible was Thanksgiving football yesterday for the NFL? Um, I mean, what? Uh, just, wow. I mean, Kate, is it possible that we can get rid of the Dallas Cowboys and Detroit Lions off of Thanksgiving? I know it's a tradition, but it's a tradition that has just died, completely died. Worse than souffle, sweet rolls. Worse than sweet hams and yams. It is. Uh, it it needs to go. And, and Thanksgiving NFL uh, should be ashamed of themselves for scheduling the games that they did. We deserved a lot better than that. That was horrible. Uh, I'll be honest. I after the Thanksgiving meal, I sat down on the couch, turned on the game, and it was kind of close, but it really wasn't that interesting as of yet. And I fell asleep. <laughs> of course you did. I mean, I had the, uh, the the turkey food coma going on, and I nodded off. <laughs> and now all of a sudden, I kind of come to I'm like, oh my gosh, the Aggies are going to be starting soon. I got to get to work. <laughs> so, hey, tell you what, uh, Monday, you bring your souffle, and I'll bring some uh, moose cake, and we will enjoy together. Uh, I, there will not be any left. Uh, I don't think there's going to be any... Sweet potato souffle that's going to survive the evening. Uh, it well, goes, just make some it more. It goes quickly in our house. Just make, oh my gosh, just make some more. It's not hard. <laughs> All right, that's our Friday Five Best. The five best Thanksgiving leftovers. I uh, would love to still get your thoughts, uh, your <laughs> your favorite leftovers after a, a big Thanksgiving meal. 435-339-0321 on the Full Court Press. Coming up next... We'll get into our pick six, the six things we think might happen this weekend. And some of those things that are happening this weekend might deal with the Mountain West. In fact, let's get an update on all things in the Mountain West coming up right here on the Full Court Press. Interviews, analysis, and a little bit of fun mixed in. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Eric Franson, AJ Salveson, you're in the Full Court Press. Getting you ready for the weekend now with our pick six. <clears throat> Excuse me, I should say Eric Franson with the ring master. <laughs> AJ Salveson. <laughs> you know, I, I had a name I was going to say, but I don't think I'm allowed to say it on air, so maybe I'll wait and <laughs> get some approval first. 
You getting some good love and you know good feedback on the No, uh, the, okay, the yeah. By the way, you freaking four-eyed fetch. Yeah, so there I am <laughs> in the press box yesterday. Yeah, you deserve this too. I'm in the press box yesterday and I'm you know, I'm doing my jobs and trying to get some stuff done and some guy screams out, "Hey, deflator!" and has a stupid uh, freaking grin on his face. Like he like he thinks he's funny. And I, I just stopped and I stared down at him. It is just funny. Just stared him down. It is not funny. And, like, some people started chuckling or whatever, and he's just getting a kick out of it. He's like, we'll see you later, deflator. Ha, ha, ha. Alright, dude, I've never wanted to knock out somebody so badly <laughs> until that day. Oh. That's, I feel, oh, it, I feel bad. It's, it's all your fault, Eric. Now I'm freaking, I'm being called a deflator. Yo. That should be, Shame uh, on you. That you should be proud of that name. Why I should be proud? Why should I be proud of that? Exactly. Uh, I don't know. All right, yeah. let's, let's get into our pick six this week. Um, yeah, let's do that. Since you apparently won the last time, but I did between you and I, uh, and uh, that's why you got that awesome wrestling mask. <laughs> I'll you. I will. You get to decide. Do you go first? Or do you want me to go first? I want you to go first today. Actually. Okay. All right. Uh, so this weekend, Boise State takes on San Jose State. Two yep. unbeaten teams in conference play. Yeah. Boise is currently favored in this one. I'm going to say, uh, I'm going to say that Boise wins this one uh, by 13 and a half. Do you take the over or the under? What's the line on that game, by the way? The current Vegas line, for entertainment purposes only, uh, is set at 11 and a half. Wow, so you're so you're cranking it up too, huh? Yes. I'm gonna take over. I I think Boise like blows this thing out of the water. I'm actually gonna take the under. This San Jose State team has been pretty tough this year. I don't think they're gonna win. I think Boise still wins, but I think the Spartans give them a good run for their money. All right, next one on my list: Carson Strong and the Nevada. Wolfpack are going to be on the islands to take on Hawaii this weekend. Uh, passing yards for Carson Strong, 325 and a half, over or under? And who are they playing? Hawaii. Over. I'm also going to take the over. <clears throat> and then Alabama and Auburn score off. It's the Iron Bowl, but they'll be doing it without Nick Saban. Uh, Alabama favored by 24 and a half. Do you take the over or the under? The under. Without saving, I take the under. I'm also going to take the under. That's a pretty big spread between two ranked teams. Yeah, and rivals too. Yes. Okay. Okay, so Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes get it on on Sunday at 225 on CBS at Tampa Bay. Combined passing yards between the two. I'm going to set at 550 and a half. Ooh, combined passing yards for Mahomes and Brady? Yep. Uh, I'm going to take the under. <laughs> yeah, man. I'm going to take the under as well. I'm going to set that too high. I might have gave that one to you, man. I, I might have been too high of a line. Um... And then Utah and Washington on AB. This game was supposed to be at 8.30 at night, 
But then because of another game getting canceled, which was supposed to be the primetime game, Utah and Washington got moved to 5.30 on ABC. Talk about COVID-2020. Uh, I At Washington, and I don't have a line on this game yet, but uh, I'm going to say Washington by 7.5, over under. Ooh, um, boy, neither team has really looked great. Um, I'm going to take the under. I'm taking the under as well. I think I think Utah. I'm just. I think winning him will out coach Washington. I think this game's closer than what it was thought to be. All right, and then all right. Finally, uh, Chicago and Green Bay on Sunday night on NBC. Aaron Rodgers like has heydays against Chicago where he just goes off, right? I'm going to set Aaron Rodgers' line for touchdowns at at three and a half over under. Uh, ooh, um, I'm going to take I'm going to take the over. Damn it! I'm taking the over too. There's a lot there that we're the same on. Do you have a tiebreaker? Uh, let's do. Oh man, let's do Kansas City and Tampa Bay. That's going to be a good game at Tampa Bay, man. What? Uh, I don't know. How do you want to set that? Just, I mean, what's your score for Kansas City and Tampa Bay? Just uh, picking the score. Yeah. Okay, that's fair enough. Um, I'll say, I'll say thirty-one to twenty-seven for KC. For who? Oh, okay. So I've got. I've got 27-24 for Tampa Bay. Ooh, I like it. Nice. Okay, that's our pick six, the six things we think might happen this weekend. We'll take a quick timeout with some final thoughts coming up next on the Full Court Press. It's the Full Court Press, weekday afternoons from 4 to 6 on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Eric France and Ajay Salveson, by the way, the line for Washington at, uh, against Utah is seven. So you were mm. pretty close. Mm. You are pretty close. Uh, by the way, there was a Mountain West football game earlier today. It has gone final. Wyoming <clears throat> laying it to UNLV, 45-14. to 14. Big win for, uh, for the Cowboys. Maybe it was a good thing Aggies didn't have that game actually take place. Uh, tomorrow, it's... Uh, uh, San Jose at Boise, and then San Diego State playing out of conference, playing at Colorado. That game kind of came together late. And then the late game, Nevada at Hawaii. So still some pretty interesting games on the schedule for the Mountain West on Saturday. Yeah, it's you know it's kind of interesting. And now as we kind of get to the uh, nitty-gritty of it with about, what, two weeks left, some teams are going to have to step. Where are we at with standings, by the way? I know Boise State, San Jose State, are, and is Nevada still undefeated too? Yes. Boy, you, so you still got a long jam atop the standings with two weeks left, Eric. Yeah, not a lot of time left. Uh, Nevada is undefeated. So is San Jose and Boise. All three of those are undefeated. Granted, Boise and San Jose play each other this weekend, so there's going to be a, a, a separation there. Fresno has one loss. San Diego State, Wyoming have uh, two losses. Um, but... Um, yeah, Air Force, Colorado State, they have two losses, but only one victory apiece. Hawaii is two and three. Utah State's one and four. And then New Mexico and UNLV winless so far. 
Um, so, yeah, interesting to see how this final week, uh, the big weekend this week, in the determine who's going to be at the top with the chance to play in the conference title game with uh, San Jose and Boise. That's going to do it for us tonight here on the Full Court Press. Hope you enjoy the rest of your Thanksgiving weekend, enjoying those Thanksgiving leftovers, the right ones, and uh, we'll see you back here on Monday. Have a great weekend, everybody. <laughs>